Welcome to another edition of the Air It Out podcast presented by Inside the Hashes. My name is Juan Guarín, and I'm joined in a Skype call with a couple of our contributors today. First, we got Jerome Jones in production and in one of the chairs today. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? And we got Chris Thomas on the other side of the line being one of our other contributors and speakers today. What's up, man? What to do? Now, guys, before we jump into today's football topics today, I know we're all Logic fans here, so I kind of want to talk a little bit of Logic today. Uh, it was announced last week that Logic's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was reaching top three in the Billboard Top 200. And, you know, I listened to the album a little bit, and aside from the singles that he released, in terms of Keanu Reeves' Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and Homicide featuring Eminem, the album's not really that good. Are you are you kidding? Are you kidding me right now? I'm not kidding you right now. I see. Um, what's the other one? Uh, um, 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 Commando. I mean, come on, dude. Are you serious? No, I mean, uh, there were some good ones it, on there. The one with Wiz Khalifa. I can't remember that the name of that one right now. Are you serious? Funny enough, the one with G Easy, I'm okay with. I've never liked G Easy. That's Commando. Yeah. But, but uh, Commando was okay, but it, it was kind of a renegade in the sense that G Easy did better on the track than Logic. I 100% disagree with that. But go ahead. Chris, what do you think, man? I'm not the biggest Logic fan, so <laughs> I'm just going to let you guys just, you know, cash out your differences. <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand. Like, I, I love Logic to death. He's one of my favorite rappers of all time. Um, but just this wasn't, I feel like, his best work i mean like in terms of the change in his style i respect that he's trying to evolve as an artist and everything i just didn't really agree with it you know if you're a true logic fan you understand that he always changes his style every album's never to sound the same i know that you know in terms of logic being like a, a popular figure he's not really that popular among a lot of rap lovers and everything but what is popular among another group of people tv watchers is you know the series finale of game of thrones that happened on sunday and I'm not a watcher of Game of Thrones. Jerome is not a watcher of Game of Thrones. Nope. Chris is not a watcher of Game of Thrones. But we can all appreciate from an outsider's perspective, Game of Thrones fans raging at the fact that season eight was not what they expected it to be. <laughs> Just and it's funny. <laughs> we're la- we're over here laughing because we we don't care. <laughs> that's that's why I want to be like. We've, we've all been fans of television shows before. Yeah, we've seen how how series how seasons can go. Like sometimes the final season isn't the best product, and sometimes it is. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys: Was there a show that you guys watched where the final season was not that great or was perfect? Drum, you had all right. So you know, if y'all listen to this podcast, you know I'm a big Marvel fan. I love like superhero stuff and stuff like that. There was a show on TV on NBC that um, had, and, and involved like superheroes. It was called Heroes. Yo, the way that thing ended was horrible. I was highly disappointed. I was so upset. I'm like, dude, because part of the fact was because they had the writer strike right in between, in the middle of the the season, which kind of affected it. But like, oh my god, like. It could it could have ended any worse, and then they try to reboot it, and it was even worse. I was like, no, no, uh, man. anybody anybody watch Heroes? No, no. That show was good. It it was well, good you, in the beginning. What about you, Chris? 
Oh no! Like when I saw like everybody freak uh, freaking out for um, Game of Thrones, I watch WWE every week, so like I'm used to like bad and inconsistent writing. So just seeing everybody flip out, everybody like wants to do over like howls and writing. I'm just like I felt like that James Franco me. I'm just like first time, huh? <laughs> But like for you, man, like, what was the show? Like, what was it like a show that was a bad ending that you wish could be redone? Honestly, um, I'm more into animation shows, but uh, Samurai Jack. Mm. Uh, I wish it definitely had like a better ending than it did. Uh, Jack got to the past, uh, defeated Aku. We all thought he was going to get married to the girl that he was destined to be. Next thing you know, his girl ended up disappearing, and that was pretty much the end of the show. And I'm just like. Wow, that's it. He doesn't get his happy ending, like, yeah. like, find an invention or anything. I'm just like, that's another you know, one that got that's getting rebooted too. So you might want to like keep out the ending for that for people who haven't seen Samurai Jack, the final season for it. So, like, we'll, we'll probably beep some of that out in, in post production. So we'll work on that. Um, for me, it, it's been out for two years. If you haven't seen it yet, that's your problem. <laughs> think of yeah. the children. That's not how work. Pick up the children. The children. They'd be all right. <laughs> Listen, life is hard. Children need to learn that. Listen, <laughs> Listen Endgame ended like like three weeks ago, and like they started spoiling everything afterwards. So like even like Marvel started spoiling stuff. It's fine. It's okay to spoil stuff after two years. <laughs> all right. My dad really died in Endgame. <laughs> Um, for me, my first, my show that should be redone was How I Met Your Mother. Oh that yeah, season was just awful, 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 awful. That's a good one. I know they tried their best to try to make it like a, like a, like everything was going well, and then everything just started unraveling, and things started changing for different directions, and trying to re rehash some of the characters that they've that they've had as love like Barney they made him from like a player to this single dad that he had a kid with a random woman like what's that supposed to be <laughs> and then you have the mom die so that he can go be with Robin no no you let him be happy with the mom man like that's what this whole story was supposed to be the progression towards that sometimes life leads you towards different directions and you don't and you don't have to be content but you just have to live your life you don't have to rehash just for fan service that's so stupid ah spoiler alert (laughs) okay unlike you guys this was six years ago (laughs) kids that have grown up now they are conscious and know their abcs and what's now so they have have the responsibility to go see this before they turn at least five years old okay but enough. With, but with our with our angry show running um, rants out of the way, let's jump into the rundown. The rundown. To start, so to start off, we have that the Patriots are locking down Tom Brady's go-to weapon, as the as it was reported earlier on Tuesday that the Patriots are signing wide receiver Julian Edelman to a two-year, eighteen million dollar contract extension. Entering his 10th season, Edelman won Super Bowl MVP last year for his 10-catch, 141-receiving-yard performance against the Los Angeles Rams. Jets head coach slash interim general manager Adam Gase 
has denied any sort of power struggle that led to the firing of Mike McCagnin. In an interview with NFL Network's Kimberly Jones, Gates repeated what owner Chris Johnson told the media all last week, that there will be no change in the structure of control in the organization. The firing was the decision of the owner, and this is a business. Stuff like this happens all the time. That last line had to be re-edited. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott was handcuffed by police after his involvement in a scuffle with the event staff at the Electronic Daisy Carnival at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. According to a statement from the Las Vegas Police Department, quote, at approximately 3 a.m., officers working at EDC observed from a distance an adult male, later identified as Elliot, push a security officer to the ground. At that point, police placed Elliot in handcuffs, but the security officer declined to press a misdemeanor battery charge against Elliot, who was later released. No word yet as to Elliot's punishment by the NFL. During his weekly show on 93.7 The Fans, Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger apologized for the critical comments he made against former Steelers right receiver Antonio Brown and their loss to Denver in Week 12 of 2018. Quote, I took some heat and deservedly so for some of the comments on that show and especially towards him, Roethlisberger said of Brown. He went on to say, I genuinely feel bad about that and I'm sorry. Did I go too far after that Denver game? Probably. And Antonio Brown's response to this was just two words. Two-face. Redskins linebacker Ruben Foster might miss most of, if not the entire, 2019 season after suffering a torn ACL in his left knee during offseason OTAs. It was a non-contact injury as the former first-round pick was carted off the field with an air cast on. Foster came to Washington this offseason after being released by the 49ers for his involvement in a domestic abuse case in late 2018. The Browns are still making are still making moves to bolster their star-studded team as Cleveland has inquired about the recently released All-Pro defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. The former Buccaneer was let go by Tampa after nine years of service. McCoy was set to make thirteen million dollars for 2019. And gentlemen, that concludes our rundown for today. All right. Well, moving on to our first segment of the day. It's a little bit of a prediction. We have we're, we take a little inspiration. From Pro Football Focus, of course, give credit to credit is due. And the first topic we're going to be talking about today is our picks for surprise postseason teams that we might see. That we might see uh, now. What, we're, what this segment is, we're going to be picking teams that did not make the postseason last year that have a chance to make some noise in the playoff picture for 2019. And despite some of the more obvious options that we might have, I'm going to throw it over to Jerome first. See what you have for me. All right, so I have two teams, one in the AFC and one in the NFC. So I'm just going to spit ball with those two. Um, my first team is the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think that they're a team that can get into the playoffs. They're always a team that's close to being in the playoffs every year. Um, so that I, I feel like that would be a good surprise team. Um, you know, as long as Cam Newton can um, come back healthy um, and they don't, you know, lose too many games while he's out. If he is, if he is even gonna be out, um, a strong running game. Um, the guy uh, Christian McCaffrey um, in the backfield that's gonna do his thing. Um, improve offensive line. Um, like I said before, I think DJ Moore is gonna be uh, uh, a step up player. Um, and then their defense. You know, they always have good defense. 
a good defensive end just now in um, Brian Burns, which um, a lot of people thought could have got took in a lot earlier than he did. Um, and then, uh, you know, some of the young cornerbacks, um, I think some of them can um, step up, Jackson um, being one of them. And, um, you know, the safety position is still kind of uh, in flux. They still got – and their linebackers, obviously, you know, Luke Keekley, um, Shaq Thompson. But, yeah, I think that, you know, the team is still a really good team. Um, Greg Olson should be back. Hopefully he's um, healthy uh, to play. And, you know, I just think that, you know, they're a team that can, you know, surprise some people. I don't think they're going to have, like, 10, 11 wins. I'm thinking, like, right on the edge with, like, nine wins will be good so all right so uh my AFC team is uh the Buffalo Bills I think they're one of the teams I can um I think that uh Josh Allen is really the the signing factor I mean if he can be a better passer um I think they will be a better team I mean I think their defense is solid enough to uh get a, a wild card spot um uh, if Josh Allen can you know again be more accurate um, which it's kind of hard to, for me to say he will be, but um, they got a really strong running game. They still got Shady McCoy. They still they got um, Frank Gore. The Bills, um, I think they could be a sneaky good team this year. I mean, they got some good um, players that they just acquired, and I think that they can um, make some noise. So, what if they release uh, Lashawn McCoy, as some people are reporting might happen? Um, I mean. It would definitely, it would definitely change my thought of the team a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think that would be a re- really big, big difference. Actually, I think that would be real big. All right, so you have the Bills and the Panthers for your two surprise picks. Um, Chris, who are your picks? Non-playoff teams from last year, right? Yep. Well, for the AFC, it's. I'm going to go with the obvious pick. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. You don't have an offseason like the Cleveland Browns and assemble a team like John Dorsey have for like over the past two years for them not to make the playoffs. Um, Baker Mayfield, uh, I said it last year, he's he's going to be a star in this league. He might be one of the future uh, faces of like the, the quarterback position going forward. You essentially traded – you got Odell Beckham for essentially nothing, and now you got him for a six-year deal, and you have him now going with uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, his former teammate from LSU, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. You have a really good trio of running backs when Kareem Hunt gets back, along with Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson, and their defense is slowly improving. You got Greedy Williams on the second day. In my opinion, that's probably the best day two steal pick uh, Denzel Ward is already a pro bowler. You still have Miles Garrett, who's one of the more bona fide pass rushers in all the football. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Um, Gerald McCoy just got released uh, after nine years at Tampa Bay. If there's a destination where I'd like to see him go, I'd like to see him on uh, on the defensive front with, uh, with Miles Garrett. But, yeah, uh, the Browns, they're my pick to win the NF- AFC North. Uh, I'll even go one further. Um, I think they're – might be competing with uh, the Chiefs and the Pats also for a first-round bye this year. Uh, as far as my NFC team goes, um, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. This is the first time that Aaron Rodgers played a full 16-game season and missed the playoffs since his first year starting. 
Uh, I love what the Packers have been doing um, the past two all seasons in terms of building their team slowly through the draft, especially on the defensive side. Uh, Rashard Gary is going to be uh, a legitimate pass rusher in this league. Uh, Jarrier Alexander is a really good corner. You got Josh Jackson, Kevin King. Uh, you're bringing a better presence like Adrian Amos to replace Clinton Dix. And uh, in offense, it all just depends on if Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers can get on the same page right off the bat. If that's the case, then I got the Packers winning the NFC North this year. Uh, Devontae Adams uh, is, the, is the most consistent wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. That Aaron Rodgers has had since probably Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb is gone now. He's in Dallas. But uh, I do like their young wide receivers. Geronimo Allison, uh, St. Brown. Uh, Jay Sternberger was, uh, was a mid-round steal from the tight end position to uh, put a fire under uh, Jimmy Graham, who also had an off year. So if everything comes together and Aaron Jones continues to follow up after a really solid season last year, then I don't see a reason why Green Bay shouldn't make the playoffs. Some pretty obvious picks there, uh, Chris, not going to lie. I thought you were going to give me a little more surprise for my money. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I feel that. Um, a lot, like, I, like, I like both y'all's – I like all four of your picks, the, the Panthers, the – Browns, the uh, but picks. I have uh, two teams that should have been playoffs last year, but injuries just decimated the roster in general. I'm talking about the 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. Now, the 49ers, their defensive line is loaded with uh, first-round talent that's been a little bit unproven, unproven, but I feel like this is the year that they could actually break through with Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa manning that front line. Uh, in, in terms of the in terms of the middle linebacker and the secondary, I, there are some questions in terms of big names and talent, but I feel like this squad can pull it together just enough to make a wild card run for the very least. As for the offense, for the addition of Tevin Coleman as as a running back, and you have Jarek McKinnon, that running that carousel of running backs is just too too chock full of potential to not have a solid running game to help support Jimmy Garoppolo, who's coming off of an easy end tear. Um, I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a caliber, bona fide uh, franchise quarterback yet. He still only played in six games in 2017 and three games in 2018 uh, before suffering the ACL tear. So he has a lot to answer for, even with the the big price tag to be signed. Basically, do not count the 49ers out. Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from an ACL tear along with Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman leading an already occupied running back group, an offensive line that is slowly getting better. They still need weapons at the receiver core outside of their tight end. And the defensive line being anchored by Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas could be a pass rushing duo that is chock full of potential but just hasn't proven it yet with questions still lingering in the cornerback and linebacker position it'll be interesting to see what the 49ers can pull off in 2019 as for the titans the most interesting uh piece of that team will be marcus mariota what how his progression will will his progression will determine what uh direction the titans will go. So far, Mariota has not been the best quarterback, but he hasn't been the worst one either. Um, in terms of his development, his passing still needs to be refined, uh, but his running and his ability to get to escape the pressure has improved over the past couple of years. Uh, with Derrick Henry running with Derrick Henry being the power horse that he is, 
and an offensive line that is considered one of the most underrated in the, in the NFL, along with the uh, of the buying of talent to help Corey Davis. With now with the the accumulation of more talent, along with Adam Humphreys to the receiving core, Corey Davis will not be alone in terms of his pursuit of the football. And that defense for the Titans, despite its aging, is getting a lot better with Cameron Wake, a proven ageless wonder as a pass rusher, and Jarrell Casey down the middle as a defensive tackle as a nose stopper, along with a secondary that is up and rising with Bird. I feel the Titans could make a good uh, a good run towards the postseason this year uh, and not be kicked out by the Kansas City Chiefs after one game. So hmm. those are my picks, the Titans and the 49ers. Yeah, not every good team comes with great players, and great players, uh, they, can't, they can either be inducted into Ring of Honor, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or have their jerseys retired, and sometimes unretired. As it was reported earlier on Monday that uh, the Bills are giving Sonoris Perry number 32 to wear for the 2019 season, which marks the first time ever that a Bills player gets to wear number 32 since O.J. Simpson. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Dwayne Haskins got permission from Joe Theismann to wear number seven at quarterback since no one's worn Theismann's number seven since 1985, but it wasn't really retired. It was just more no one's allowed to wear it in that sense. And that brought up for me an interesting question. Are there any players in NFL history or any of them right now who deserve to have their jerseys retired? And, uh, Chris, I want to start off with you on that one. Um, one player's jersey should definitely be retired is definitely one of my favorite wide receivers um, in the early 2000s. Um, he goes by the name of Tory Big Game Holt. Um, Garrett Everett currently wears number 81 on the Rams. Holt's uh, a seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, first first team All-Pro, and was on second team all decades of the 2000s. He led this league in receptions twice, uh, and he's probably had one of the, probably the best hands um, I've seen at the wide receiver position. I think the fact that his number isn't retired, I think it's a little bit insulting, and the fact that he still hasn't gotten a legitimate Hall of Fame bid is just also as much as a head-scratcher. Uh, no one wears Isaac Bruce's number anymore, uh, as well as Marshall Falk, Green, and Kurt Warner's. Uh, Torrey Holt was just as big as big as an integral part of the greatest show on turf during those early 2000s incarnation of those Rams teams. So I think out of all the people who still hasn't had their jerseys retired after you've seen uh, Falk's number retired, Bruce's number retired, and Warner's number retired, the fact that Holt's number isn't retired is still a head-scratcher to me. I like no one has really been deserving of of Tory Holt's number uh, since he retired uh, last in last decade. So uh, yeah, I do agree with you that Tory Holt should be retired. He is one of the more underrated pieces of the greatest show on turf, and the fact that he hasn't gotten a Hall of Fame bid is frankly insulting to a team who just loaded with weapons. Across the board, Marshall Falk, Isaiah Bruce, Orlando Pace at left tackle was just as essential as anybody as anyone else on that team. So, mm-hmm. good choice of that, Chris. Well, all right, Jerome, what about you? <clears throat> so, my guy is a little bit more of a recent player that just retired not too long ago, but I think he should be his jersey should be retired right away. Number seventy-three, ten-time Pro Bowler, seven-time First Team All-Pro. Two-time second-team All-Pro from Cleveland. Now, I know it's Cleveland, but Joe Thomas, retire his jersey right now. 
The guy was playing on a terrible team every year. Didn't complain about it. Went to work and was the best offensive tackle in the league and possibly one of the best of all time. I'm going to go there. This guy is incredible. He didn't ever come off the field. He always worked hard. He was an incredible blocker. He protected whoever was back there because you know they had like 20 different quarterbacks. And he held it down going against the, the best defensive ends in the league and shut them down. His number should be t- retired today. I actually have a Joe Thomas jersey in my closet. <laughs> retire it right now. <laughs> I will. If I, if I could, I would retire that jersey because you are absolutely right. Joe Thomas was probably the greatest offensive tackle in NFL history outside and on par with Anthony Munez, if not better than Anthony Munez. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the bad teams he was on, that was just an unfortunate situation yes. that he got himself into. He could have left any time. Exactly. He didn't have to sign. But that loyalty that he kept to the Browns, to the city of Cleveland, to a, a city that was devoid of a winner until LeBron showed up in 2016, it, it is honestly a crime. And the Cleveland Browns should be charged with wasting the career of such a generational talent, as the Lions should be for wasting the talents of Calvin Johnson and... Barry Sanders, so, yeah. And I'm going to throw this in there also. And when he retired, the guy lost, like, 50 pounds in, like, a month. Who does that? What? I had to just throw that in there. He should be in a (laughs) – retire his jersey just for that. That's crazy. The offensive linemen lose a lot of weight after they retire because they don't have those major caloric intakes that that they train their bodies to – uh, become adjusted to after ten years because they can't retain all, because they want to retain that muscle and strength. So for Joe, losing that diet, losing that heavy caloric diet and all that weight, great improvement for him. Yeah, and I was he looked good. He looked good him. when he went on TV. I was like, wait, is this Joe Thomas? It's crazy. I was kind of sad not to see him join the Monday Night Football cast or when they were looking Probably. for someone to audition. Yeah. In my for my pick. I think that it's a very controversial pick. It's a wide receiver. Um, and it got to the point where his number became a gimmick of who he was. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Chad Johnson of the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, the reason I want to bring him up is because, you know, he's, despite the fact that he was a second-round pick for the Bengals and that he was a drama queen beyond no doubt, he was by far the greatest set of feet that I ever, that I ever stepped on to, to Cincinnati. All right, his ability to run around, break ankles, and just pull off amazing fits of speed, quickness, and agility is com- is nearly incomparable. Okay, no one, no one, uh, maybe Chris Johnson aside when he was at his prime speed, no one was as agile as, as as Chad Johnson. Absolutely nobody. And you know, people get caught up in the Chad Ochocinco dilemma over the, 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 the Golden Grill, the Hall of Fame jacket that he wore on the sideline, the gimmicks and everything. Well, that's part of the game. The game is entertainment. People see Joe Namath wearing that fur coat on the sideline and call him uh, an icon of the 70s. Of the 70s. Uh, people see T.O. on the star and doing uh, all these weird uh, touchdown celebrations, and they call him like a, a, a fascinating specimen of entertainment and strength. Why just go after Chad Johnson? If anything, the Bengals owe not only Chad Johnson and Carson Palmer 
for their services because they wasted those two careers in what culminated to be nothing over a nine-year span. Any thoughts on Chad Ochocinco, guys? I agree. I mean, I, Chad, Chad Ochocinco had the best first step of a wide receiver I've ever seen. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I've never seen anybody move that quick off the line. And that's why he won so many battles because right off the line, like, you can't put your hands on him because, like, he's just so quick. It was I love I love watching him like just run routes. Well, Chris, what about you, buddy? Um, when I definitely think of one of the best route runners of all time, Chad Johnson should def is definitely one of the top people on the list just in terms of footwork. Um, his ability to get separation on just about any top tier corner in the league, especially during an era when he played against guys like Champ Bailey and Darrell Revis. And as I mentioned, I love I after CEO, he was probably like my favorite uh, wide receiver to do touchdown celebrations. In the, the words, in the words of TO that I say every day, they hate to love me. <laughs> I love me some me. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I didn't grow. I didn't grow up watching football like you guys did. I got into football very late in my in my life, around 2008, during the Giants Super Bowl run against the Patriots. But I did. I had. I but I did my job, and I invested just enough of my time to actually learn about Chad Johnson and everything that he did. And I regret not growing up with football. That's one of my biggest regrets. But I'm glad I'm in it now. And you know, seeing like the toll that the game has on players in terms of mental and physical health, it, it really kind of opened my eyes in terms of how sports leagues are really run and how, despite it being entertainment with a bunch of heartfelt stories and um, uh, and amazing people. These are just human beings, and this is a business after all. And with that being said, this business has been highly criticized over how they've been handling uh, their players in the sense of their of their both physical and mental health, which is why on Monday, the NFL Player Association and the NFL came together to create uh, committees and new policies that would help address the mental and physical health complaints that they've been receiving over, uh, since the inception of the league itself. And, you know, some of the policies that these committees have come up with, uh, they've included that every team has to have a mental health professional in the building. Um, there has been talks about reevaluating the approach of marijuana uh, that the league has considered to be uh, an, out, an outlawed substance, but with the, with, with the studies it's done in terms of pain relief could help towards the progression of legalizing marijuana within the NFL. Um, there's a de- there's a development of educational programs about mental health aimed towards players, teams, and players' family members that will collaborate with local and national mental health and suicide prevention organizations to reduce stigma related to mental mental health and promote suicide prevention and awareness. Other other moves that they have include the pain management committee that they're establishing that is supposed to uh, create uniform standards for club practices and policies regarding pain management and the use of prescription medication by NFL players, as well as researching various pain management methods. So basically controlling the uh, the distribution of uh, med- uh, pain meds like Oxycontin uh, f- for players so that uh, they can control the substance in the sense that no one becomes addicted to it. Uh, and a bunch of other policies uh, that were outlined by ESPN, but these are the main uh, Bill Bones that came out. Now, we've had some people applaud the NFL and the NFLPA for the progress of the situation, but then you have 
um, who is probably the poster child of mental health in the NFL, Brandon Marshall, uh, come out and say that he likes where it's going, but that this is just the first step and that there's just so much more to be done in terms of tackling mental health and tackling joint pain and addiction within the NFL. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, it's, a, it's a hard topic to tackle, but but I wanted you guys to try. Uh, Chris Thomas, I want to start off with you on your thoughts on the NFL and the FOPA's efforts. It's a step in the right direction. Um, for the longest time, we've seen former NFL players, um, over hundreds and hundreds of NFL uh, players, which includes Hall of Famers, um, journeymen who have sued the NFL for uh, concussion protocols. Uh, we, saw, we saw the um, unfortunate uh, passing of Junior Seau, who committed suicide, and then he tied him his death to um, the NFL's lack of uh, lack of knowledge in terms of concussions. This is definitely to me a step in the right direction. Um, everybody, every day in some fashion, deals with uh, depression, mental health, and physical health battles every single day. So the fact that the NFL, even if it's just a PR move, the fact that they're using finally their money and their resources now to make sure that athletes and future ex-athletes to get the help that they needed is a proper step in the right direction for them. And uh, what do you think about Brandon Marshall's like um, uh, statement about the step in the right direction like you mentioned? Like, What would be something more, what's something else that they could do t- to help uh, keep pushing forward in your opinion? Um, definitely um, the article that I saw, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, um, definitely pushing um, for better health insurance for Hall of Fame players. Um, the fact that they're they're doing it for players now is is fine. It's great. I applaud them for that. But um, they, but even we have to worry about life after football. You know, you've seen plenty of these athletes who go broke. Uh, definitely uh, better health insurance for um, especially for the Hall of Fame players. Um, We've seen multiple times um, Hall of Fame players, uh, they especially go off the rails, um, especially after they retire. So them getting them the proper help, the, the proper therapy, and uh, the access to get help after football, um, instead of having to go out of their own pockets and them going broke because of that, it, to me, that should be uh, the, the next step going forward. And props to Brandon, Brandon Marshall, who's on the forefront of it, because he's been the most vocal guy um, for several years now on uh, on like his battles with his own mental health. Um, I remember every single week when uh, he would have specific cleats um, that he would wear, you know, for warm ups that um, that signifies with um, his battle for um, depression and mental health. And the NFL would try to fight him for them, which was yeah. A bit of- distastefulness but we're moved, we're not here to talk about that we're more talking about the steps that we're going towards it Jerome your thoughts on it um I think actually it's a huge deal because it's a step I mean I there's there we're still a long way from where we need to be with the NFL but the fact that this is out now and the fact that it's a you know a thing that we're that that's out there I think it's it's huge, and it needs to. The, I applaud the NFL because the NFL is very flawed in a lot of ways, but you can tell that they are at least trying to do something, and that's all we really always ask for is like the NFL to hear the players and hear you know what the fans are saying, and you know 
help out these players. You know, it's, it's, it can't just always just be about football, you know. And the fact that they at least listened and coming out with a plan to help these players, um, not only when they're playing, but hopefully after life as well, that, you know, they're, they're, they're taking care of their players, you know. So I think, I think it's huge. I think it's a huge, a huge step. It's only a step, but I think it's huge. What would you think is like another step that the NFL could take? In your opinion, um, like Chris said, just like more worrying about like the after after football. Uh, you know, take care of the guys. Um, you know, ha- maybe have some kind of program that you know um, alumni can come to, and you know, they all kind of uh, share their story with uh, current players as well. And it, it can be like a uh, some kind of uh, coping mechanism for both the current players and the uh, uh, alumni and help each other out and just kind of get some kind of um, insurance for the uh, retired players. As usual, it is a hard topic to tackle. These are some of the hard topics to tackle, whether it be about mental health, about social issues, or anything like that. Um, it's, a hard to- it's a hard topic to talk about and a hard topic to address, but it needs to be talked about. It needs to be destigmatized, de- and it has to be something that we shouldn't be afraid of addressing because by not addressing an, an issue, we are making it much less known for people who suffer through it and who feel are suffering alone when they shouldn't be. If anyone who are listening to this podcast feel like they are going through something, please know you are not alone. You are loved. And if you need someone to talk to, you can either contact a friend or a loved one or the proper authorities uh, later on after this podcast. But... With that being said, that wraps up today's Air It Out podcast. Remember, you can find us on InsideTheHashes.com or through our social media. We have on Facebook, we are Inside The Hashes, Twitter, Inside Hashes, and on Instagram, we are at Inside The Hashes. For Chris Thomas and Jerome Jones, I'm Juan Guarín. This was the Air It Out podcast. Thank you for listening.